Amen. If you could take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. A little feeling a little bit under the weather myself, and the teenagers let me know about every voice crack I had this morning. My voice is a little different today. So they let me know. Who knows working with teens? They don't have any mercy. No mercy. They let you know. They let you know you have a voice crack. They let you know about it. So I'll try not to have any voice cracks this morning. But I'm glad to be here. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Good to be saved. Second Samuel, chapter number 9. David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when he had called unto him unto David, called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And and King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee great kindness, or I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan's sake, thy father, uh, thy father, for Jonathan's, thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread continually at my table. And he said, and he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog? As I am. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'd be with us today, God. We thank you for the music. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and sing and and hear about you, Lord, through song and worship you. Lord, I just pray at this time that you'd remove any distractions. Lord, I ask at this time that your Holy Spirit would work in hearts. Lord, that you'd give me direction and clarity. And you'd help me to deliver what you'd have me to say. I need the Holy Spirit's help today. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Have you ever gotten a call? Maybe it was a a text message or an email, and just the very moment, in that very moment of time, everything was changed. Uh, Didn't take long, it was just a a quick conversation, and just in in a bat of an eye, a quick conversation, a quick phrase, everything was changed. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see a message that changed everything. Uh, We see Mephibosheth, and we know that he was lame on both of his feet. We know that as a child, as as an infant, he was dropped. And as a result of that, he was lame on both of his feet. Uh, And we see really here three things to consider in the life of Mephibosheth. 
And we see really what we read, uh, uh, a blessing toward Mephibosheth through David, King David. But, but to really understand uh, the background or the backdrop of what we've read right now, we need to just go back a couple chapters. If you could go back to 1 Samuel chapter 20, and we'll just quickly read, why did David bless Mephibosheth? the way that he did. Here, pick up reading and keep your spot where, where we left off there. But 1 Samuel 20. We'll read in verse 11. This is why Mephibosheth was blessed the way that he was, because of Jonathan. And Jonathan said, verse 11, unto David, come and let us go into the field. That they went, uh, and they went both of them into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father, my father about tomorrow, any time, or the third day, and behold, if it be good toward David, and I then shall, shall, shall not unto thee, and show it thee, the, the Lord do so much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do uh, thee evil, then will I show it thee and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace. And the Lord be with thee as he hath been with my father. So in other words, we, we know the backdrop and we know that, that in jealousy, Saul sought to kill David. And it's a simple thought here that I'll let you know, uh, I'll let you know, uh, David, that if my, if my father's going to kill you or not, I'll, I'll make you aware of that. In other words, I will risk my life for you. And so we look at verse 16. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemy. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him as his own soul. But verse 15 says, but, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So in other words, Jonathan is, is conveying to David, would you keep a covenant? Not just with me, but with my family. That when I'm gone you would show favor unto my family and not kill them. Now let's go back to our, our passage of Scripture here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Consider the message. Three things to consider in the life of Mephibosheth. Number one, consider the message. Look at chapter 4 or verse 4 here. It says, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of uh, Amiel, in Lodabar. Now, I looked up what that meant and what, what was the history behind this place called Lodabar. And really, the word Lodabar here is, in the Greek, it literally means a low as in no, means no, and bar means pasture. It's literally a place of no pasture. And we know that Mephibosheth back in those days was probably poverty stricken. He didn't, couldn't work for himself. He couldn't walk around. He, he, he had a disability. And we find him living in a place of no pasture, a place where nothing could be grown, a place that we could probably say of no prosperity, of great poverty, a place where 
hunger was, and a place of great need, a, a place of uncertainty, a, a place where people really didn't desire to be in. And would you agree with me today, there's people in the uh, uh, spiritual Lodabar today. There's people all around us with what's going on in the world. There's no hope. The Bible tells us we don't have really, we don't have hope without God. And if they don't have the Lord, really they don't have a hope. And, uh, but, but aren't you glad that David on his throne, after he got it established, he thought, oh yeah, I made a covenant with, with Jonathan. Where is, is there anybody that I could bless? Yes, there was. Aren't you glad today that God doesn't get too busy? He doesn't get too hung up with the things of this world, with the affairs of this life, to forget about his covenant Aren't you glad that if you're saved today, you've entered into a, into a covenant with Christ, eternal life. And we even talked about this morning in Sunday school about, a little bit about, a, about the covenant. About There was a covenant with, with uh, Noah. Right? He built an ark and we, we saw the, the rainbow in the sky as what? A covenant, a, a promise that God will never flood the earth again. And then we think about Revelation chapter 4 and verse 3 as it talks about the, the, the saints before the throne of God. And, and they, they take their crowns off their head and they cast it at the throne of God. And, and the, the, the saints are robed in white behind the throne and there's like a sea like unto crystal round about. And what was there in that scene? A rainbow round about the throne. Now why would there be a rainbow round about the throne? To remind us that God kept his covenant. Those that entered in the, the, the gate of Christ. Those that received Jesus Christ. That covenant, that promise has still held sure. And by the way, I, I'm just looking forward to the day when I, when I see a rainbow and it reminds me what it should remind me of. Amen. I'm looking forward to the day when, when we can look at a rainbow. God's promise. God's covenant. God's way. And we could say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be reminded of the covenant through the rainbow. The rainbow belongs to God. Amen. So this is a message that was brought to where Mephibosheth was residing. It was a place that somebody may not desire to go to, but the message of the king went to where Mephibosheth was. Aren't you glad today that even though in your state... Even though the place where you were before salvation, that the message of the gospel came to you, into your community, into your home, and into your ears, into your heart. Sadly, I, I haven't had a whole lot of people ever knock on my door and tell me about Jesus. I've had the Jehovah Witnesses multiple times come. I've not had many people, maybe once in my life, have I ever had somebody hand me a gospel track. How many times have you had people come up to you and hand you a, a, little, a, a, a legitimate gospel track? One time, for me, once. And I was sitting in the old uh, uh, pizza hut, where it is now a wild wing, and I was sitting there, and we were eating, and, and you know what? And actually, an offshore worker came up to me and handed me a track. I thought, wow, that's never happened to me before. But you know what? If, if somebody's come to you to where you were, or maybe even now, we need to be thankful that the message is going even to Lodabar, even to that place of no hope, even to that place where it won't profit us anything. Lodabar, 
There's also a message of royalty. Look at verse 5 as it says, The king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. And that was a message from the king. It was a message of royalty. Could you imagine? As that chariot, as those messengers of the king enter into Lodabar, heads were turning. I mean, there'd be no reason in the past for the king, for a king's messenger to enter into such a place of despair, of no, pro, of no pro, uh, uh, profit or pro, prosperity. There'd be no reason. But, but as they heard the, the hoofs of that, that uh, horse, if you will, and they looked and they said, wow, there's a, um, something's going on, and he gets a knock. Now, it doesn't really tell us. It doesn't go into detail. It just says he fetched him. But I'm sure as he knocks on his door, Mephibosheth had, had an option here. Oh, do I, do I respond to the call? Do I answer or do I retreat? And he opens up that door and he, the, the messenger of the king goes, are you Mephibosheth? Maybe he opens up a scroll and, he, and the messenger to the king just says, the king beckons your presence. Does it stir you up that the king of kings is calling for you? I mean, the king of kings desires to know you, desires to fellowship with you, desires to, to commune with you. And the message of the king is open to all. The Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. A message that changes everything. It says, fetch him. That means to draw him or to receive him. A message that changes everything. He didn't hide himself. It doesn't show any sort of, of confrontation. It just, it just says in, he, he, there was a message brought forth. He fetched him, and now he's in the presence of the king. But there was a response to it. There wasn't a retreat. And I want to encourage you this morning, if there's a, a call placed on your life, that you would answer it. If there's a call to get saved, that you would answer it. Now, at this point, Mephibosheth doesn't really know what's going on. He just knows that the king desires his presence. Now, of course, it's, it's a fearful thing. To the, the, the unknown is, is a fearful thing. Don't know what's going to happen, therefore you have a little bit of fear. But if he really knew what was awaiting for him, don't you think he would be getting there as fast as he could? Sadly today, people try to hang on to Lodabar. If he really knew, if Mephibosheth, now and it even talks about uh, in verse 7, and David said, fear not. So there was a little bit of, of fear taking place, rightly so, because it was a custom for the, the king to kill the previous king's family so that he would eliminate all threat and no uprising would take place. So it was, it was customary for that to take place. It still is, happens in some nations today where the, the, the new king will get rid of the old king and all of his family to eliminate any, any uh, uprising. So there was probably that thought in his mind. So David says, fear not. But if Mephibosheth really knew what was awaiting for him, don't you think he'd be saying, see you later, Lodabar. <laughs> I never coming back to this place with no hope, no prosperity, no, 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 no help. I think if you knew, if you're not saved here today, and if you knew, if God just showed you a little glimpse into the future, what waits for a person that's saved, I think you would be running to the cross. Some people I remember with in my life, hanging on to Lodabar. 
And if you're saved this morning, can't you say, don't you wish you would have done it earlier? I mean, don't you wish you didn't wait all those years and you just got saved maybe as a child? And I remember as, as a teenager, the, the, the gospel would be preached. I'd be right at the back uh, uh, row in the back and the, the, the invitation would take place and please stand up, you know how it is. And my, my, the song that would be played was Come Home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. And I just remember sitting on that back pew, just clenching, clenching the back pew, just, just holding on to it and knowing that God was calling for me, knowing that, that he was drawing me in, but I, what was I doing? I said, I want to hold on to Lodabar, Lord. And there was a, there's a very big reality when it comes to a, a, a soul, a spiritual battle taking place, the battlegrounds of the devil and God, you get to choose the winner. And I just remember, oh, Lord, I, I want to stay I, I stay in Lodabar, Lord. I'm comfortable here in Lodabar. This is where my, I'm familiar in Lodabar, Lord, and if I get saved, I don't know what's going to happen. And then the song would play softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me, come home. Come home, all evil sinners, come home softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. And I just remember I could no longer grip that pew anymore. I could no longer resist God. And I finally gave in and I submitted myself and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what it was? It was a message that changed everything. Imagine if Mephibosheth just straight out refused the invitation. Imagine if he said, no, I don't want any part of the, 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 the portion of the king. I don't want any message. I don't, I don't want any uh, uh, um, land. I, I don't want any blessings from the king. Wouldn't that be silly? Wouldn't, wouldn't you say, would you crazy? You're going to live in this poverty-stricken area rather than be with the king. Now, isn't it silly that we hold on to our sin? We hold on to that place which we're most comfortable in. And maybe you're even saved and you're just holding on to that place. And God is calling you, he's drawing you for, for, for more, more than just salvation, but for service. He's calling you, he's, he's been calling you for a while perhaps, and, and why wouldn't we just embrace it? Secondly, I see this, consider the reaction. If we continue reading, verse 6, <clears throat> Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold thy servant. That's a great way to come. Open to the Lord. Open to the king. Here I am. Here I am. Now, I don't know if you want to kill me. I don't know if you want to get rid of my, my family history because of Saul. But here I am, openness, openness, an all-surrender, an all-surrender to the Lord. What would God do with somebody that just say, here I am? Behold, here I am. I'm willing to do what you want me to do, Lord. Here I am. Verse 7, and David said "Fear unto him, fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore Thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread continually at my table. 
Consider the reaction. You know, it cultivated reverence. Verse 8 says he, he, he bowed himself. The thought of the king calling Mephibosheth caused him to say, whoa, here I am. When we think about the king of kings and the Lord of lords wants you on his team. Wants to be part of, he wants you to be part of his family. Shouldn't it cause us to say, whoa, I'm, I'm so undeserving of that, Lord. I'm so, you know, you mean you want to grant me access to sit at your table? To eat continually at your table? Whoa. Whoa. That God, through Christ, would say, come and dine. It ought to cause us to say, whoa, Lord. This is too much for me, but thank you, Lord. Also, it was a humbled one. Look at verse 8. He said, what is thy servant? He bowed himself and said, what is thy servant? In other words, David, you may not understand here, but you want me to be part of your kingdom. I can't bring you any profit. I mean, I can't walk. I'm just a nobody. Who am I, King David? Uh, What is thy servant? Same with us. It really is the same with us. When we think about God, you know, there's no stature, there's no prophet that we could bring him. He's above us all, he's in all and all, he's unchangeable. But yet he says, I want, to, I want you to be part of my family. He realized that he was unclean. Continue reading. What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Undeserving, unprofitable, undone, yet Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. And thirdly, consider the position. Consider the position. Again, verse 10 says, Thou therefore, and thine sons, and thy servants, shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring the fruits that thy servant's son may eat the food, or may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. It was a, pr- a privileged position here. I mean, he went from having nobody and nothing to having servants. It was a consistent uh, privilege. Look at verse 8 at the latter part, or sorry, the latter part of verse 7. It says, And thou shalt eat bread continually at my table. Verse 10 says, But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Yes, Mephibosheth. Even when you're having a bad day, Mephibosheth. Even when you, maybe you got in a little bit of trouble, Mephibosheth. Your, your position at my table is consistent, it is uh, secure. It's always offered to you. It's, it's a covenant that will never fade. And even today, you may be having a bad day, but I'm telling you, if you're, if you're saved once, you're always saved. And I'm thankful that we have eternal security, eternal salvation. And I'm glad that God doesn't turn, a, turn his back on us when we turn our back on him. I'm glad that he says, oh, you're just not being very good today, Cody. See you later. You're no longer my child. no. I'm thankful that that once we're saved, we're always saved. And it's a continual thing. It's an everlasting thing. And there's going to be a rainbow around about the throne to remind us of that. 
It was an elevated position. Look at verse 11. The latter part of verse 11 says this. He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth, who has, who has a disability. Mephibosheth that's not really fit for royalty. Mephibosheth that came from the ghetto. It's going to be as one of my children. Don't ever forget where God saved you from. Don't ever forget what God took you through Christ, what he took you out of. Don't ever forget what you could be today outside of the grace of God. Some of us wouldn't even be alive. Some of us be in prison. Some of us, would, our homes would be broken down. But God in his mercy decided, I'm calling for you. And we responded to that call. Praise the Lord for that. It was an elevated position. Somebody once told me, keep looking down. That's kind of funny, because normally you say, keep looking up. Keep looking down. Person responded, he said, why? Keep looking down. He said, well, you're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Keep looking down. We're, we're, I mean, one day, it's, I mean, we're not going to fight anymore. There's going to be no sickness, no pain. And we got something to look forward to. It was an elevated position. Now he says in verse 8, what, what am I or who am I that thou shouldest look on such a dead dog as I? And then the king responds in verse 9. He says, then the king calls Eva and uh, Saul's servant and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertains to Saul and all his house. Did he even respond to the call of, of how unworthy he was? He didn't even respond, did he? He just kept on going. He knew what was taking place. He had it in his mind, King David. Didn't even respond to the unworthiness that he's portraying to the king at this point. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the prodigal son. It reminds me that, that he took, his, took of his father's portion and he took that inheritance early and he spent it on a wicked lifestyle. And when a recession hit, uh, you know, he found himself in the pig, the pig pen, and he came to himself, and he said to his father, uh, you know, he was rehearsing what he would say, and he said, I have sinned against heaven, and before thy sight, now I am no more worthy to be called thy son. And he took the journey back to his father's house, and his father saw him a far way off. He ran, he fell, uh, and, and had compassion on him, and kissed him on the neck. And, and then perhaps that son, that day, he, maybe he pushed away from his father a little bit, and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And what does the father say? Does he respond to that? No. He says, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put shoes on his feet. Uh, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And let us kill the fatted calf. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is, and is found. Didn't even respond to what he said. That's grace. And he got a spot at the table, that prodigal son, that day too. Let us kill the fatted calf. It was an elevated position. It was also an unbiased position. Look at verse 13. I found this interesting. The latter part of verse 15, or four, uh, I'm sorry, verse 13. Um, and Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. And then, and then it just throws this in there. And he was lame on both his feet. I mean, we already knew he was lame on both of his feet. But this chapter ends off by just saying this. Oh, and he was at the king's table, the royalty. And he was lame on both his feet. Now, it wasn't customary for somebody with a disability 
to be in the presence of the king or to be eating out of his table or to, or to be communing uh, and having any fellowship with the king. But it's just reminding us here that the king was showing grace and he, he was lame on both of his feet. Aren't you glad that there's going to be all sorts of people around the table? I mean, we're talking about fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's going to be all, every, I mean, in heaven there's going to be every kindred, every tongue, every nation is going to be there. It's going to be people that, that, that maybe just, just made it. And then there's going to be people that will be receiving great reward. But they've got a spot at the table. Lastly here, it was a protected position. Some time had gone by, and we find that Israel is in a drought, in a famine. Turn over to 2 Samuel 21. Second Samuel 21, verse 1. It says this. Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. Now, could you imagine that? Being in the kingdom and, and being a king, being a ruler during this time, hard time. I mean, the first year, maybe not so bad. The second year, but now the third year? I mean, people are getting desperate. Children, perhaps, are dying. I don't know. So David beseeches God, and he asks God, What's, why is this taking place? You know, why, why, Lord, have you not sent the rain? And why are we starving here? What, surely some, somebody caused this, and God tells him for what Saul did in the past. So David goes to those Gibeonites, and he basically asks him, what, what do we, how can I make this right? How, how can we bypass the judgment of God? How can I make this right? What do I do? Verse 3 says, Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make an atonement that ye bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will have no silver nor gold of Saul, nor of his house. Neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, what ye shall say, that will I do for you. And they answered the king, the man that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coast of Israel, let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord has chose and the king said, we will give them. Now, what, what's the problem there? Seven sons of Saul. You know who would fall under that? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, it is now time for you to die because what your grandfather did. What does verse 7 say? But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and and Jonathan, the son of Saul. It was a protected position. Why? Because a covenant was made long ago. The wicked one was coming, and judgment was coming upon, upon Mephibosheth and his, and his home. But that judgment was spared because of a covenant. When it comes to us, the devil would like to love to have you in judgment. 
He would love to judge you and, and pull up your sins and bring them before God. But because of the covenant, that we're bypassed from that. We're spared from the wrath to come. I mean, if you're not saved this morning, I'd be scared because you're not under that covenant. You're not under the protection. You're not under the elevated position, a constant position, a privileged position. You're not, you're not under that realm. Why, would, why wouldn't you want to be? In other words, what is stopping you today from saying, Lord, I, I want to come and I want to give my life to you. I want to place my faith in you. I need to be saved, Lord. Problem is we're, we're full of sin. You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. The Bible tells us that we're born into sin. It's in our nature. It's almost in our DNA, if you will. It's in who we are because of Adam and Eve. And we're, it's inherited to us. The thoughts that we think. The Ten Commandments that were given to kind of give us a measuring stick on how good we really are. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. We've all lied. Thou shalt not uh, commit adultery. Honor your mother and your father. I mean, I mean, we failed them all. We've disobeyed. And the Bible teaches us that if we've disobeyed one, we're guilty of them all. So we're undone before God. And our goodness is nothing compared to his holiness. And we're undone and we're sinners and we're lost. We need to enter into that covenant. We need to enter into that promise of hope. And it's through Jesus Christ. When we come to Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Christ, when you put your faith in Christ, something amazing happens. It's the power of God unto salvation. At that moment, your, your spirit that's dead, your body, your soul, your spirit is dead, becomes alive through Christ. You, be, you gain a relationship. You know what you get? You get a spot at the king's table. When you pass on, when you die, that covenant is honored by the Lord Jesus Christ if you put your faith in Christ, that he's able to forgive you, that he's able to save you, that he's able to get you to heaven. Not only for this the life to come, not only for heaven, but now. Some of you may need help now. You're living in a spiritual Lodabar now. I know for me it wasn't necessarily... Heaven was great, but I needed help now. I needed my empty life. I needed meaning now. I needed restoration now. I needed forgiveness of my sins now. Is that you today? Is there a need of salvation? If, if whoever's coming to the piano, they can come. Is, is, there, is there a cultivation in your heart that God could be drawing you? Maybe you're saved, and God could be calling you and drawing you for more sacrificial living maybe. Uh, maybe give, doing more for God, doing something more. And God is just a place to call on your life. He's calling you to, to get up and go and do more for him. Heavenly Father, I ask that you speak to hearts. I ask, Lord, that you'd move amongst us, Lord, and that you would have your way and your, your call would be evident that we would be open to communicate with you, that we would realize the spot at the table is open. Would you stand with me as, as uh, the piano plays? If the Lord's dealing with your heart, would you come? The door, if the Lord's dealing with you, don't, don't put it off. Come and talk to him. Maybe there's a, a family member in a spiritual Lodabar right now. Maybe there's somebody you need to pray for, a friend there in that Lodabar, no, a place of no hope need to come pray for them. Maybe you're in Lodabar. Maybe you're not saved. 
I'd like to pray for you this morning. Anybody like that would say, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need a spot at the king's table. Here's my hand, pray for me. I need to be saved. Would you pray for me with an uplifted hand? Would you pray for me? Anybody like that today? I need to be saved. Pray for me.